0: Welcome to The Parental Compass, presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. As always, be sure to subscribe, you can do it on any platform, just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified every week when we drop a new episode. We do these every week. Today we're talking about an issue that doesn't get a lot of airtime, postpartum depression. I think one of the challenges with postpartum depression is that there can be a lot of shame associated with it. Today we are learning from one woman's experience, Suzanne Atim Aslam. Suzanne is the author of the new book, Postpartum Me, available at Amazon, and an old buddy of mine. So it was great getting a chance to catch up and hear a little bit about her life. We had a little issue with the camera for this and another interview. So I'm going to be using my headshot today in the video version. It was a great conversation. Let's check it out.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's how, that's really how I felt. There was so much going on. And I remember at the time there was a lot of political turmoil happening that was affecting my family overseas in the Middle East. And I was so upset about it. And so it's kind of, you know, it took over my mind probably a lot more than than most people but there were things that were on my mind outside of my pregnancy and there was nobody that was willing to engage with me in any sort of conversation i mean once they see that belly that's it that's it they want to know all the things about your belly and uh you're just kind of like the host (laughs) for the belly that's yeah
0: well and then it leads you to think like is this what my whole life is going to be after this? Like, am I going to just only have to talk to moms and talk about juice boxes or something? Or Yes,
1: I kind of created sort of an aversion towards mothers. I was like, oh my god, like, this is all they want to talk about. Mothers are terrible. I mean, they're so boring and they just drive minivans, which I was like, I will never drive one and make, you know, because that means you're just a mom. And like, I had these like very specific ideas in my head that I had created by watching people engage with me. And I didn't, I it freaked me out. I didn't like it at all. And I was like, this can't, this can't be what my life is like.
0: Yeah. You could just feel like you're losing your whole identity anyway. Like I can see why that would be scary. Yes. You know, and sometimes there's hormonal issues that can impact a pregnancy or mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So twofold. I wasn't like, Oh my God, I have to have kids. I just feel it in my body. I'm meant to be a mom. Like it was, it was none of that. It was sort of a calculated decision. Like, Oh, we will probably regret this later. And we can't wait too long to make this decision. So let's just, let's just do it. Cause most people don't regret having children, but people regret not having children. So for me, it was like, it was never, it was never a part of my identity. And so when I was thrust into this, I was like, this isn't wait, this isn't who I am. This is sort of like, like a side note to who I am, you know. Yeah. And then the hormonal aspect kicked in at about eight months. And I actually didn't realize this until I was writing the book and doing some research um, that you can get some of those um, some of that depression can kick in. It's not just post depression. it's mm-hmm. it actually can happen when you're pregnant, which I didn't realize, and it makes so much sense in hindsight when I was writing, and I started to realize it was at that birthday party that I went to that you mentioned. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is my life. I'm just going to be surrounded by moms who don't want to talk about anything other than babies. And I went home and I got really, really, really sad. And I I mean, I couldn't move. I couldn't think I was in, I was in like, just physical turmoil. And now I realize that some of that depression had kicked in prior to. Well,
0: and one thing a lot of expecting mothers worry about is the pain of actually giving birth and having a child but one thing that you don't think about is potential pain afterwards right
1: yes i went to classes like i think once a week me and my husband once a week for several weeks Mm -hmm. um all these classes on how to push the baby out but we never had any classes on what to do when you take the baby home and i remember being like just just violently angry about why is he doing this and why is he doing that and is his breathing okay and nobody there was nobody to say like hey that's okay that's fine that's normal that's not normal You know, we just didn't know.
0: Yeah, well, and when you first have a new child, it's like, who knows what's normal? But tell me more about the like the pain that came afterwards too. Like there was physical pain for you, right?
1: Yes. So there's the normal what they call like baby blues when you first have a baby. A lot of a lot of moms will feel you cry for no reason. Your your hormones are kind of going crazy. Um, You cry for no reason. You're you're in um, some physical pain because your body went through labor and labor is, it can be pretty traumatic. Um, and nursing is painful. Um, and then that usually goes away after several weeks, but mine just stayed. So a lot of my pain, it felt a lot like fibromyalgia. Like I would wake up and I, I would, um, I could barely step on the bottom of my feet. I couldn't, I, every, like every bone in my body ached for months and months, it hurt to pick up the baby. Um, and I, I didn't know, of course I didn't know why, and then whenever he wanted to eat, and it's so funny the way your brain can't make connections. I decided I wanted to nurse my baby. I wanted to breastfeed my baby. And then he was hurting me. It was it was physically painful for him to for him to nurse. So every time he wanted to eat, I would cry and I would I would be like, no, I don't want to nurse him. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to feed him. But it never occurred to me to okay, well, if this is a problem, switch to formula or oh. find another alternative. It just Um, you know, there's women who give away breast milk. um, But I don't know why you're just in this weird state of mind where you can't make logical choices. And so it didn't occur to me, oh, I could stop doing this, take care of my own body, so I can better take care of my child's.
0: Yeah, well, and then I'm thinking like, if your child is hurting you, every time you're breastfeeding, you could sort of build like a negative association of like, this child hurts me, You know what I'm saying?
1: And that's the words that I that's what I said. I I didn't say this it it hurts to nurse. I said he's hurting me. Yeah. And I instantly created a negative association with Sammy regarding nursing, regarding my job to feed him, to me was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And that's like that's such a terrible way to to think. And I it makes me sad in hindsight thinking that you know I I ever thought that way about my my sweet, sweet boy. Who now when I think about him, I mean it's like. I get butterflies in my stomach and my chest wants to explode from how much i love him but at the time he was just this person who hurt me and made me tired and made me sad and that's all he was to me
0: Mm -hmm. it's like oh what a burden i mean you know new babies are a burden that's not Mm -hmm. a nice way to put it but it's challenging having a new child Mm -hmm. and then you're fed these ideas your whole life of how you're supposed to feel or movies or just all the things you're always told. It's like, you'll just feel this instant, huge amount of love.
1: Yes, you're supposed to instantly be connected to your child's from, you know, from the second that they're conceived. And I didn't feel that way. And um, even before I, I mean, maybe this is just me, I don't know, but even before I started to get depressed and feel a lot of anxiety, I was just like, oh, here's this person in my stomach that I need to take care of but I wasn't in love with the baby in my stomach. And I don't know if other moms feel that way too. Or if again, like what you said, we just kind of watch these movies and they're just in love with their belly. Um, so I, I I wasn't like that. And I didn't know what what was normal.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, then you must kind of feel bad too. Like if you have a child and then it's like, why don't I feel this huge amount of love that I'm supposed to feel, right?
1: I thought I was a bad person. I'm like, oh my god, like I must be a monster, clearly. I'm not a very I was never a very emotional person. My my family isn't a very emotional family.
0: Yeah, my family's not either. At least not outwardly no. emotional.
1: Yeah, like they know I love them. My my brothers and sisters and my parents, but they're they're never going to I'm never going to like hold them tight and and just like, "You know how much I love you." Yeah, like that's just not yeah. we're just
0: My we're dad's sort just- of like a pat on the back hugger, like,
1: you know. <laughs> But you know what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I wasn't ever very like mushy gushy or very lovey dovey. That's just not my personality. Yeah. Um, but I thought if I was going to feel that way with anybody, it had to be my precious, tiny little baby that I made my little miracle. Right. Um, And then I didn't. And then I felt like a terrible person. And then I saw other moms and they didn't seem to be experiencing that so that kind of just validated what i thought of myself I was like oh well, i must be a terrible person because obviously there's only one way to feel and i don't feel that way um and so it it that further messes with your head you're cuz cuz then you're like oh i i i done messed up like i i made a mistake obviously this was a bad decision i should never have had a baby because i don't bad.
0: have the maternal instincts or that's correct mm-hmm. yeah so what helped with that over time, or how did things start to get better?
1: I had to let my husband. His name's Kasem, like oh. awesome with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to let him in. I wasn't. I would have all these like internal dialogues, well, sort of monologues, I guess. But I would have these conversations with myself in my head, but I never actually expressed them. So the only thing that he saw is I was at home with the baby. So he'd come home from work, and I would just be like fuming or sad or anxious, and he he. I'd like thrust the baby at him like here. And I'd go, he doesn't, he had no clue why. And I wasn't telling him why I'm just having these conversations with myself in my head. Oh my God, this is so terrible. This is so terrible. When is he coming home? When is he coming home? And then I would just slowly like, then I just explode when he got home. Um, So letting him in and explaining to him what was going on in my head um,
0: helped. Well, depression can be so isolating just for yourself, even like, it's not even like you're isolated from people but your mind is like keeping you isolated from talking about things sometimes or being open or have the energy to really dive into something. And
1: yeah, the energy is a great point. You just, I mean, you're just so tired. Well, I mean, just talking about it sounds, why bother? And then also for the longest time, I didn't know that I was depressed. And so I thought this was just motherhood. So Mm -hmm. what, why, why, why bother talking about it? This is my life now. You know, and if this is my life now, then like, what's there to complain about? This is it. So time, time was was a big factor. I wish I had known sooner about postpartum depression and anxiety. And then when I did find out about it, I was depressed that I was depressed. If that makes any sense, I was like, oh no, I have this problem. For me, time was just it. Like I remember when Sammy started talking, even small things, like he could just communicate tiny little, just a word here or there. And I didn't have to guess and anticipate his needs. I remember that being a huge weight that was lifted um, because it was just one less mysterious thing happening for me.
0: Were there ways that Cossum was able to be supportive once he knew what was going on or what changed once you started talking about it?
1: So, so, you know, like if I see you and you're sad and I'm like, are you okay? Most people just go, yeah, I'm okay. And then you just kind of move on. Um, there's a difference between asking somebody if they're okay and really asking if they are okay and that person being able to say no, I'm not okay. So we had to get to a, we had to get to a point where I had to be really honest with him about what was going on in my head and what my struggles were. and he needed to actually ask me if I was okay and genuinely need to know the answer. And it was up to me to be honest enough to say, no, I'm not okay. And then he would take Sammy from me. Um, so he would take Sammy for me. Let me take a nap or take a shower or go out of the house by myself without the child. So we, then we started a sort of a system where like, he works really, 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 really hard. And, um, he needs time to do his own thing too. So we did this system where like, he would take half of Saturday and I would take half of Sunday and I would just go do whatever I wanted Sunday. And he was so sweet. Cause I, he would stick to his half of Saturday, but I usually try to take like, three quarters of a Sunday, mm-hmm. um, but I tried to stay out for as long as I could to just give myself a, an, an opportunity to recharge. And that, for, that for me was, was really, really helpful just to kind of get those. It's not people think like, oh, why don't you just go on a vacation? And it's not vacations don't necessarily help what you need are consistent breaks, not just yeah. like, oh, you're constantly with the baby and it's so hard. And then you get one break, then you have to go back and then be with him all the time and never get a break. That doesn't really work. So, um, providing consistent breaks that I knew that I had coming up and I, I could look forward to, man, that really, really helped.
0: Yeah. Something to look forward to in life too, can just make a huge difference. I know you started going to therapy too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. After my second kid with Ronan, they're two years apart after it was, after Ronan was born, I, um, my, my, I started getting like really bad panic attacks and, I was really angry. And I realized that was when I realized how truly lonely I was. So when you have when you have two kids, so now I've got an infant and a two year old. And that becomes even more isolating, because it's just harder, it's just a little harder to get out of the house. So it doesn't feel worth it. So then you end up sort of isolating yourself a bit more. And I was really, 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 really lonely. And even saying that just feels like, too emotional to say um but i i was and and Kasim didn't know i was feeling this way and we got in this big fight uh one time and he was just saying all these things and i was finally like i was kind of shocked by what his perception of me was and i i stopped when he when he stopped talking i was like that's not what it is i'm i'm lonely and i just kind of broke down and i'm like i'm just by myself and i don't see people and i'm i'm alone and um he started coming home from work early like he, you know, he'd have a cutoff point. He was always home by 5.00 PM or whatever the time was, um, no matter what. And I started seeing a therapist and, um, just talking about it out loud to a third person who she was a, a mom too, which really, really helps. It was, it was validating to talk to a therapist who was like, yeah of course, you're depressed, of course, you're lonely, of course, you're the, like, what you're going through is really hard.
0: The thing with depression, too, is like, you invalidate yourself, where it's like, I don't have a reason to be depressed, I have this good life, and I have, I'm taken care of, and
1: yeah, that was really weird for me, because, um, so my parents are immigrants, and so you kind of, you always grow up with this sense of gratitude, because you yeah. you know what life could be like, I like my cousin's overseas, they have it harder than me. And I'm so grateful for the life that I have. And then um, with my husband, we live in a great place and a safe location and I have everything that I could need. And so when I started to feel upset or get depressed or whatever, I would I would kind of yell at myself and be like, just shut up. You're fine. You're mm-hmm. fine. And I didn't know how to contend with those differing emotions. That kind of that messed with my head a lot because i had no reason to be upset but yet i couldn't stop myself from being upset that was the weird part is i i felt like i had no control over my emotions and that's that was really really frustrating for me because i always had control over my emotions for the for the most part you know
0: so it seemed like what was help what ended up helping you was being able to talk about it get support from your husband get some time to yourself go into therapy your children getting older. Is there other advice that you'd give to parents who are experiencing postpartum depression?
1: I think we do this kind of backwards. I think we we look at a woman, a, a new mom, and we say, oh, there's a good chance that you might be struggling. And then if you are, there's resources for you. And I think we should do it the other way. I think we should provide the moms with resources Instantly, I think we should be more open to the idea that this is really hard. And then if they don't need as much help, like my sister was fine. I was like ready for when my sister had her baby last year. I'm like, okay, if you need me, I got this. Like, I know, I know everything that you need and I'm here for you. If you're really upset and you're struggling. And after she had her baby, she was like, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Like I'm good. And that was really, really great. But I wanted her to be set up for success first. And then if she needed it great. And if she didn't need it, that's fine. So I think I think we need to be more um open to the idea of um providing help to all moms right off the bat and what what we do is um we're really good at saying, you know, if you're like, "Oh, I just he's driving me crazy and he doesn't sleep" and then people say, "Well, at least, you know, thank God he's healthy or just be grateful for what you have." But that's not a that's not something that a, a new mom can process. So
0: Well, and you know, it's invalidating, too.
1: It's incredibly invalidating. It just makes you feel like kind of, kind of bitchy for complaining Mm -hmm. off the bat. We need to find ways to, to help, to help the moms and, and, and provide as much support as possible. And on the mom side, I think I would just say, don't be a hero. People want to offer you support. You take it. Don't ever say no. Don't ever say no, because like you want to you're supposed to be this goddess, right? Who's got these like just natural maternal instincts, who just knows it all, and who's got it. And you were born for this with you and your uterus. So we think we're supposed to just know and have it all figured out and we're fine and we got it. And that's not how it works. You do need your village in whatever form that comes. So I would say, you know, don't be a hero and always take the help when you can get the help and and don't be afraid to ask for the help.
0: Tell us the name of your book and how we can look it up on Amazon.
1: It's called Postpartum Me, and it's it's on Amazon. I will send you the link.
0: All right. Thanks so much for being here, Suze.
1: Oh, thank you, Bobby. It was so nice to talk to you.
0: Thank you, Suze. Postpartum Me, get it on Amazon. This has been The Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.